all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. That was a very enthusiastic. <laughs> Hello. It's, it's, I wonder been, if it's been a long week. It's been a long two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch yes. at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Yes. Do all of those things. Mm-hmm. I also changed my uh, YouTube handle to All Bad Things Pod. Oh, okay. not, not that we ever really. Put we anything have not out. put anything out. But yeah. just in case we ever do. Gotcha. I did do some live streaming mm-hmm. yesterday on Twitch. You got sp- a whole average of one person, I did. Sarah, watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your sister. Yes. But got uh, five followers or something like that? Okay. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I spent almost two hours trying to find one animal that I still have not been able to find. The moose? The western bull moose. The western bull moose. And I saw all these videos. Even Sarah sent me, like, this is where it is, and... If, no. that, if that game's got a glitch in it, I'm going <laughs> to be pissed because I want because I want my damn trophy that I found all the animals and I've only got 20 to go. Uh, so yes, again, if you're interested in watching me, that's pretty much all I play still. Again, mm-hmm. uh, if you're interested in watching me stream Red Dead Redemption Two, I will let you know. Also, follow me on Twitter. I am at. St. Louis 14. What is my Twitter handle? I don't know. <laughs> Off the top of my head. Um, Be- I can look you because up. Because I can, uh, because when I when I do a Twitch stream, I can put in through my PlayStation. David St. Louis 14. Okay. So that's what I'm at. If, I think if, that might be the full <clears> time, first time we said your full name. Yes. If you don't at me already. Um, some of you do. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'll put out a notice uh, but I can only do it through my Twitter handle. I can't do it through yours or through the All Bad Things oh, Pod yeah, one yeah, yeah. When, when, I, okay. when I announce something on the PlayStation. Should we? Um, that'd be a fun Friday. We're recording this Friday night before it comes out. It could be a fun Friday night activity if we felt like twitching a funny video to react to. Yeah, but we don't know how to do that we yet. We can give it a try. Or do, yeah, we can try it. Yeah. Test it. Yes. <laughs> we can watch that horrible um, thing that Hasanabi was watching. The, yes. The t- to tell the truth or whatever. No, moment of truth. Moment of truth. Oh, my God. That yeah, was Yeah, that awful. was pretty bad. We are also thinking there is a... Um, uh, Rachel's not as much of a fan of politics as I am. But still. But still. Um, our disdain for Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> is pretty much equal. So there is a new documentary out on Hulu about Hillary Clinton. I started to listen to the Chapo Trap House review of it, and I stopped listening to it because I'm like, this would be an excellent... Because it's basically like propaganda for her, of, right? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's... Uh, I'm sure it's going to be hilarious. Hilarious in, like, the worst sense. and like. I, I kind of get how some people like don't just despise her and that's fine i don't understand why some people love her and find that's what i don't understand sort of 
hero or yeah. something. I do think she's the more talented of the Clintons, and that it shouldn't have been Bill, that it should have been her as president. I think she's smarter. I think she's savvier. I agree with that. I agree with both those things. Here's the difference, And I don't though. think she would have done any worse than Bill, but no. she would not no. have sexually abused, abused their... Yeah, um, she's not a sexual predator. No, like her, like her exactly. Husband, as far as we know. Oh, yes. Um, the chances of her being one are <laughs> much lower than Bill. The chances of her being equal in sexual predation to her husband are pretty much slim and none. Well, <laughs> like Ted Bundy is maybe <laughs> yeah. slightly more... But I, I agree on the the savviness and the smartness. Here's the difference between the two of them. Bill Clinton is very good at being full of shit, but coming yeah. across as sincere. Yeah. Hillary Clinton cannot come across as sincere no, to save her life. You know what it is? I actually don't. I think she comes across as earnest. I actually don't think. I she, don't. See, see, I don't think okay. she comes across as dishonest, but she comes across as the one thing. That you can't come across when you're a woman in the public eye without getting so much shit for it, being a bitch basically, or being—I—that's not—that's what people would call it. What it really is is being very sort of straightforward and a little stern, almost. Right? She's got a very like no nonsense sort of thing, and in I, women, I don't, I don't see that at really, all. I no, do. I don't. I not. <clears throat> it's not. It's not out of honesty. <laughs> No, but you that's know, what like I'm saying. This, I'm a straight shooter sort of a thing. Right, she can't pull that off. No, most women can't. Some women can. Mm, what I'm saying is that most people interpret that as bitchiness. I, I agree with that. Or many people interpret that as bitchiness. Most people, yeah. It's it's hard for it's hard for women in leadership to please anybody. Yeah, I agree with that. Just in general. So, she, I mean, she was behind the eight ball the whole time just because yeah. she's a woman. And uh, Kamala Harris has the same problem. Yeah. She, she, she just... You know, she's she, very similar. She in, cannot uh, come across as... Uh, she cannot come across as sincere to people who are even remotely play, paying attention. Well, in interesting. My opinion. I, I don't think it's necessarily no, because, sincerity, but, but it's interesting how it's perceived. She but. has the most obvious tell... Of anybody I've ever seen in politics, when she Harris, gets Kamala yes, Harris? when she gets asked a tough question, uh-huh. her first reaction is to do like a little laugh, and it's like, just, uh-huh. just, just she watch. She's got like a little mannerism. She, well, she just has a tell. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, here we comes. We probably a, all do. Really. Oh, oh, I'm sure we do, but hers is obvious. Mm. Like she would not, <laughs> she would not do very well at poker. <laughs> mm. That's interesting. Anyway. anyway. That was all about politics. That's enough for politics corner <laughs> for all five of you that were interested in that. <laughs> what you drinking? I am having, I've not had this in quite a while. This is a big boss. I believe one of the first two or three breweries in it's Raleigh. It's a, it's a very uh, long standing one in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. They're Aces and Eights Coffee Stouts. It's mm. very delicious. Oh, would yes. you like to try it? Yes, please. And I've got the would Deep you, River would, Pumpkin. Would you like order? to know more? <laughs> This is also very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very coffee. Mm-hmm. Coffee forward. <laughs> yes. Um, Damn, that's good. I know. I figured I should drink the pumpkin pipe order because yeah. this is coming out the week of American Thanksgiving. Eh? Um, uh Hashtag give back the land, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that happening. <laughs> um, follow the Hey Colonizer guy on TikTok. <laughs> At this point, like to who? <laughs> like... Who's, like who's gonna receive it? You know what? <laughs> I I, ugh, I 
I'm not the person we, to we, talk we, with. We tucked all that. those people away on reservations long ago. I'm, because mm, my solutions always come down to like, well, we need to leave. Well, that's not happening. I know, but it's fair. I, I don't think so. I mean, why, why should I leave at this point? I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, God, don't say that. Don't <laughs> say that. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. That's not how privilege works. Anyway, so um, I'm researching a topic I'm very excited about. I'm going to start, and we will okay. have a... Hopefully a special guest. Oh, okay. You get, that's the one you're going to mm-hmm. work on? Okay. Yes. Because um, we've doing... <laughs> well, we will definitely have the special guest because he was at this event. Yes. Um, it's just a matter of when we'll have him. Yeah, we should uh, schedule that f- with him. Yes. Um, uh, but we're trying to get into a good routine where we're not just pulling from our listener scripts. You guys have been amazing. Yes, you have. You've carried the show. <laughs> you have. <laughs> Holy shit, you have. <laughs> um... Especially like starting a new job, it's been really we, we both hard. Have. Yeah, uh huh. It's been really hard to. Um, well, it's been really frustrating for me for technical reasons. Get it? You know how starting a new job is. It's the worst at the beginning because you feel fucking useless. Sure. You don't know how to do anything. The job that I've got is highly technical and takes a really long time to train in. So I'm probably going to feel like a useless idiot for two to five years, which is fun. It's a long time. (laughs) It is a long time. Um, But so there's not been, and unlike previous jobs, there's not the time to sit down and research. (laughs) Um, And 100% that's not happening on the work computer. So, um, but I am excited about the topic that I'm researching. I'm hoping to have it ready for next week. Got to come up with something for the holidays. We got holidays coming up. Oh, uh, gift exchange. Everybody should have their, their, um, their match recipient. Yeah. By now. Um, Some gifts have already gotten sent. Okay. Um, And I need to follow up on a couple things. Yeah. I need to work on mine. Hmm. I think we both got pretty easy people yeah, in I terms so. of, um, I think so. Like what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that should be pretty easy. Anyway, listener script. We ready? Yes, let's okay. do it. Okay. So this is a script by one of our frequent contributors, <clears throat> Aces California. Oh, nice. Yes. Robert California. <laughs> Creepy character played by a cool guy. James Spader is pretty cool. I'm guessing he's also probably creepy in his personal life, but anyway. Or maybe he's just good at playing a creep. We'll hope that that's what I it is. I don't know. If, if you saw any of his 90s flicks, you'd be like, hmm, something's off about this guy. <laughs> no, if you've ever seen uh, The Office, you can see something. Oh, off. just watch a movie called Crash. Not not the... Oh, no, I know. I know that movie. <laughs> yeah. I know that movie. Not... His text lies and videotape he was into. That's right. He was in mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going, he, he goes way back on the yes. creep factor. <laughs> Anyway, this is the story of the Morecambe Bay cockling disaster. Okay. So I actually, I had zero context for this. I just quickly looked it up on Wikipedia just to get an idea of it generally. And it's like, the the title does not give it away, really. So um, it'll be really interesting to delve into. Um, So we've got a preface on this one. Hello and greetings, Rachel and David. I return with another script for you and all loyal listeners. 
Before we start, allow me to issue a public service announcement through the podcast regarding fan scripts. As many listeners may already know, this is the fourth script I have written for this podcast. But what you may not know is that the scripts I have written were done during a rough period for my mental health. Hmm. To elaborate, these mental health issues are not directly caused by writing these scripts, but more a symptom of it. I have been struggling with my issues since I was a teen. Yeah. So just interjecting to say I've been there. I, I'm I'm still there. Mm-hmm. Faces. I, I understand what you mean. These mental health issues manifested itself as a compulsion to work towards goals to dangerous levels where it would leave me burned t- down both physically, emotionally, and mentally, at which point I would then fall into a deep depression and punish myself for not being better. This was all centered around a lack of self-worth and self-confidence, constantly feeling the need to prove and validate myself as worthy of being a member of society. And that was how I thought life was meant to be lived, that there were that these were ju- that these were the struggles that everybody faced and that it was just normal life. I tell you this because this compulsion to work until burned out included writing all my previous scripts for the podcast. You might find this most evident in the previous Dole Air Race script, which in the preface, I felt the compulsion to apologize for not finishing the script sooner than I could have done, despite the very valid reason of being in physical pain for an entire month. I had not felt I lived up to my own expectations on that script. I remember that when Asa said that. Thankfully, however, during the time I was writing the Dole Air Race script, I had already begun seeing a therapist for these mental health issues, and I have come away from those sessions with a new approach and outlook on life. Understanding that expectations were only set on myself by myself, and having a newfound sense of self-worth that I am still working on building up in much healthier ways. As a result, this script has been written differently. It has been written only at times when I want to write want to write it and paused when I no longer found it fun. The PSA I want to make to the listeners of this podcast is, if you feel like any aspect of your life isn't healthy for your well-being, especially if you recognize it, but brush it off as just how life is meant to be, that you attempt to seek out some form of therapy, be that a professional or just somebody to talk to. Rachel and David, being the sweethearts they are, would probably at this point be at this point saying they can help in whatever capacity they can, but that's me putting words in their mouth. And secondly, I want to reinforce that if you want to submit your own fan script to the All Bad Things podcast, you do not need to go to the lengths I and some others go to. You're welcome to present it in any manner you feel fit. Just providing your own self-written notes or links to website sources is just as valuable as the huge scripts I and other listeners submit. There are no expectations on you to do it in one specific format or another. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and we've always said that. Yes. Yes. Just do it however you want to do it. Absolutely. And yes, uh, links are helpful. Mm-hmm. Suggestions are helpful. There's so many disasters we would have never even heard of if somebody hadn't suggested there's, it. There's so. still quite a few we have to get to. Oh my goodness, hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but absolutely. Uh, so Aces is going to uh, transition here. But yeah, cannot stress that enough. <laughs> That, yeah, yeah, all that, I mean, and that all ring mm, awfully, hit awfully close to home for me. I've been in the new job, I've been struggling a lot with just like, because some things have gone wrong, <laughs> um, just technically and being onboarded virtually and things like that. And it's like 
kicked off my obsessive side where it just, I'm just like, cannot turn off my brain. And Asus is absolutely right. That's a good time to, good time to turn off your brain. Well, ask for help. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. So very well said, Asus. All right. So I'm continuing now. With that PSA, let us segue into a cheeky bit of self promotion. <laughs> Currently, this news is very early days, but with now I have to admit that the, uh, Asus submitted this script a while ago, so I'm not sure where oh, I stand. Okay. But, uh, but with my newfound self-worth and healthier practice of my hobbies and interests, I have decided to take this interest in script writing for the All Bad Things podcast and try my hand at making my own po- podcast, which is nice. awesome. Yes. Moments Morbid. <laughs> That's oh, a great, okay. great title. We'll cover more Sounds than- like a metal band, too. It does kind of... <laughs> Um, We'll cover more than disasters, expanding to crime, personal tragedies, and myths and mysteries in what I hope will be multi-episode miniseries. There's no targeted publication date or schedule as this podcast will only be written only when I want to write it, and I plan to have a few miniseries stocked up before the first publication. That's helpful. Um, But until its publication, feel free to ask anything about this project through the Disaster Podcast Promos channel in the All Bad Things Discord. Awesome! You'll have to keep us updated. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Furthermore, in this lengthy preface, my apologies to Rachel or David if they decide to read this script. Oops. (laughs) I could have given it to you. Uh, I want to further provide an extra trigger warning on top of the trigger warning for everything possible. (laughs) Direction for Rachel, if not done already, to do it in the same (laughs) manner as the title sequence. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. (laughs) Uh, For human exploitation and maltreatment. Oh, fun. Yeah, this script and its topic, I find at least personally semi-connects to the mental health issues I have been explaining previously, as it tells the story of people placing themselves in insurmountable danger in an unhealthy acceptance that their circumstances were the only way they could live to get themselves a better life. With the preface finished, I shall run through the major sources for information in this script, being the BBC, The Guardian, the UK's health and safety executive, the TV documentary Death in the Bay for Channel 4, the Hansard Archives in the Houses of Parliament, the UK charity Oxfam, and with minimal usage, Wikipedia. As always, if any listener wants to have a look at any sources for this script, I've provided a reference sheet. Yep, yep, we've got them. Uh, for Rach and for Rachel or David, a pronunciation guide. Words with pronunciation will help. Oh, we'll have a little check mark behind. Nice. That's very helpful. In the appendix of the script, and you only need to ask, and I shall send you those references. Yes, that's awesome. I would like to start this podcast episode in a different, unconventional way with the poem Lancaster by Letitia Elizabeth Landon, which I feel will set the tone for what is to come. And that's going to be found in the appendix gotta love a script within the yeah right fantastic okay never even thought to do that yeah right (laughs) this is lancashire by letitia elizabeth landon oh pleasant on a winter night to see the branches blaze while o'er white walls and sanded floor the cheerful firelight plays rebecca sat beside the hearth the wheel was on her knee round round it went with ceaseless hum and cheerfully worked she for company, she had old song, old songs, and simple and the simple and the true. Wow, I'm a great poetry reader. And as she sang, she felt her heart its gladsome youth renew. At first, she sang unceasingly and with a cheerful tone. Then paused to ask the cuckoo clock how much of night had flown. The notes grew sorrowful, then ceased. She let her wheel stand still, 
and forth she looked, the quiet moon was bright above the hill. She blessed the blue and tranquil sky and closed the cottage door. Again her wheel turned busily, her song arose once more. But broken now by start and pause, and oft her wandering eye, turned to the clock and anxiously watched each long hour pass by. My, this is... So just a warning, there's two more pages. Okay, so we know. that's fine. My mother, she is late tonight. God keep her on her way. Again, Rebecca turned to watch the moors that round them lay. But now the moon had hid her light behind a heavy cloud, which o'er the azure face of heaven had darkened like a shroud. The wind was howling as it howls or some sea-beaten strand. So utter was the darkness round, you could not see your hand. The rain upon the seasman bent, Beat, and yet she flung it wide, and with dry brushwood and with fur, furs. Sure, F U R Z E. Never seen it spelled that way. Yeah, yeah. Furs. 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 <laughs> the blazing hearth supplied. We'll just keep going. She knew their cottage was for miles, seen shining through the night. God grant, she said with faltering voice, my mother sees the light. She could not bear her agony, for she could hear afar the tumult of the rising flood with the wild wind at war. With desperate steps she'd hur she hurried forth, the lantern's feeble ray, and the strong purpose of her heart sufficed her dangerous way. How passed with her that anxious night to God is only known, for reason in that fearful search was utterly o'erthrown. At morning light the ebbing flood had yielded up its prey, and there, by some strange impulse led, Rebecca bent her way. They found her with her mother's head raised childlike on her arm, and carefully her cloak was wrapped to keep the dead one warm. The cottage now is desolate upon that lonely moor. No firelight through the lattice gleams, no rose climbs up the door. By day and night, Rebecca's steps upon the wild moor's roam. Still bears the wind one piteous cry, Oh, mother dear, come home. Oh, that's very sad. That's, yeah. Where's that poem? Well, I think it's probably going to set up the topic pretty well. Yeah, that's my guess. Okay. <coughs> so this is the story of the Morecambe Bay cockling disaster. Oh, I did it right. Morecambe. Morecambe Bay. I knew that pronunciation because when I watched the British office many times, he talked about Morecambe and Wise, and that's how he pronounced it. So, yeah. anyway. Geography Corner. Traditionally in the, in the podcast, the Geography Corner is more like Cartography Corner. <laughs> Describing where in the world a setting for the disaster happened. And in my opinion, Cartography Corner would make a better name for what it's alliterative. Okay. Isn't, we start isn't, isn't cartography map drawing? That's what I thought. Maybe it's like, I don't know. We'll that's what I've always thought it was. Same. We'll have to look it up. Okay. Today's episode will be more of a geography corner as well as a cartography corner as we will be exploring the geography of quicksand, estuaries, and tides, oh, all relating well, to Morecambe Bay in the UK. We know about uh, estuaries. Yes. We've covered... Brackish water, mm -hmm. right? Isn't that what it is? It's no. Where, um, Ocean and yeah. river or lake meet. When fresh and salt water. Mm -hmm. That's brackish. Oh, I didn't know I that. I believe that's okay. what brackish is. Never heard that. Morecambe Bay is a sizable estuary made of the mouths of five rivers. The Leven, Kent, Keir, Loon, and Wire. I was looking at the pronunciation guide. Leading out into the Irish Sea. 
Morecambe Bay is located off the coast of Lancashire. Did I say that right? Lancashire? I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> or is it Lancashire? I was... Shearshire. holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. That's how the Beatles said it. Steenstein. It's, yeah. No, I think it's Lancashire. Anyway, and the Lake District in the north of England, surrounding the bay on three of four sides, with the southeastern exit of the bay emptying into the Irish Sea. Morecambe Bay is also the largest intertidal area in the United Kingdom, being an area of coast or seabed that becomes exposed to the air during low tide. The size of Morecambe Bay rivals some of the other large estuaries in the United Kingdom, including the Humber, Humber, Thames, and the Severn estuaries. Two sources found in the writing of this script place the total area of Morecambe Bay at 120 square miles or 310 square kilometers. However, despite it being the largest in the United Kingdom, it is not the largest intertidal area in the world. Maybe this is what um, ACES means by cartography. It's like talking about the landscape. This would be a location the podcast has previously visited, being the Wadden Sea, covering parts of Denmark, Germany, and the Netherlands, visited in All Bad Things, episode 112, the Rungholt and St. Marcellus Floods. Oh, wow. Okay. That was a ways back. going long way back. Well, that was almost... Literally halfway. Halfway, yeah, because this is episode 229. Jeez. All right. Good on you, for looking that up. Morecambe Bay is also the second largest bay in the United Kingdom after the Wash, which is located on the opposite coast of England. When the tides retreat from Morecambe Bay during low tide, the sands of the bay can be seen stretching into the horizon, one source stating that the tide could go out 28 miles during low tide. Jesus, really? The bay, whilst, whilst, I love, whilst, whilst. Being viewed as an extremely important habitat for local wildlife is also viewed as a dangerous environment with quick rising tides coming in and out as well as the very real threat of quicksand. Yeah. Let us now explore at a school level of explanation. Well, that's how all that's all we do. Uh, how tides and quicksand work. Yes, let's do that. We haven't really talked about tides and we haven't even talked about quicksand. I I don't think it's ever come up. Yeah. Other than Akshay being trapped in it. Yes. That was so interesting. (laughs) Um, Contrary to popular myth and seen in many schlocky films and shows, quicksand cannot totally swallow an entire person down, leaving nothing remaining. Quicksand... What's the the fun in that? (laughs) Quicksand, which physically consists of sand or clay with salt that has become waterlogged, can capture limbs as a person is caught in it. The sand which becomes quicksand is diluted, much like diluting a juice with water, becoming an unstable mixture, weak and lacking in friction. This results in the inability for it to support any weight or pressure like a person standing on it. However, at maximum, this only occurs for a depth of a few feet or to a person's hips. However, once you know how to get out of quicksand, it poses very few risks. Your very solid body, being denser than the quicksand mixture, will often float back out of the quicksand by itself. Huh. The more you panic and struggle, the greater the danger can be as it can speed up the process and create vacuums in the mixture, making it harder to remove your trapped limbs. Another great danger comes from being trapped in quicksand mixture while high tide engulfs you. Okay, yes, that would be be, be very bad. 
Tides work through the gravitational pull of the Earth, Moon, and Sun. Due to the Moon being a massive ball of rock circling the Earth, its gravitational pull pulls on the Earth like how the gravitational pull of the Earth constantly pulls us towards its center. Oh, I never thought of it that way, but that makes sense. Sure. That makes sense. This gravitational pull by the moon affects the waters of Earth as the moon pulls water towards itself, creating a high tide at that point and low tide at where the water becomes stretched thinner against the Earth. On the opposite opposite side of the Earth to where the water is being pulled by the moon, it is also being pushed out to create the second high tide with centrifugal forces. Much like how you feel yourself being pushed off when spinning fast on a roundabout. <laughs> Is this spinning playground apparatus called something different in the U.S.? Yeah. A merry-go-round. Yes. Or a go- uh, merry-go-round. Yeah, a merry-go-round. Yeah. Now, it's not in the traditional sense of the merry-go-round with the horses on it. No. But the thing you find in the mm-hmm. playground where you hold on to the bar and you run and run and run in a circle and then you jump on it mm-hmm. and you spin around. I actually really liked that thing growing up. You just had to be really careful not to wipe out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So many skin knees from those things. They were always in gravel, too. The, the most fun part about it was uh, jumping off while it was going really fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or if when you get to... Because everyone had to take turns or whatever, because otherwise you'd get upset if you were always the person running. But some people would just stand on it or sit on it while the other people were pushing. Mm-hmm. You know? So you'd take turns being, okay, it's your turn to be one of the runners it's your turn to be merry <laughs> and our turn to go round. yes um since the u.s has very few vehicle roundabouts we actually have We've two got a couple very yeah. close to us and they're, um, they're so much better than yes than, yes than, than stop signs. oh my god because nobody knows how to deal yeah. with the fucking four-way stop at least here yeah that might oh not be something god. they know about in the uk they're like what's a four-way stop I don't know. Are there many UK listeners? Are there many four-way stops in the UK, or is it just like all roundabouts? Yeah, roundabouts know. are so much more efficient. Yes, at yeah. least when people know how to fucking use well, them. Well, for the most part, they but do. There's always some. Someone will enter. Like people will. The actually, usually, what happens is people don't realize you have to yield, and they just fucking they just go go right into it. <laughs> not yield the word right away, but anyway. Um, like what's what's yield mean? <laughs> It's a sign is right there and nobody knows what that, but they don't know what stop means either. So, uh, well, they know what stop means, but they they don't understand what to to. do after the stop. (laughs) All right. Anyway, so uh, centrifugal fortresses, this creates a second period of high tide in a 24 hour period. The sun also plays a part in creating tides by boosting the gravitational pull felt by water. This is not boring. I'm just, it's been a long week. Mm. Um, the gravitational pull is strongest under a full moon or new moon when the moon and sun are perfectly aligned. Hmm, that's interesting. I didn't know that. History corner. Morecambe Bay, being a geographic feature on the British landscape, goes as far back as the continental shifts, the last major wow. ice age, that's and the forming of the earth. Yeah. That's, that's we will not be going back that far. No. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we will start. With the Roman period of... Oh, we forgot to That's turn okay. off the fridge. Nobody, we'll just say, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Except will. I drew attention to yeah. it. We will start with the Roman period of the United Kingdom, when the first documented example of those crossing Morecambe Bay during its low tide were made. From this documented crossing until the most recent centuries, the crossing of Morecambe Bay has been a common way of reaching the Lake District, oppos- opposed to the lengthy route around its coastline. 
The crossing of Morecambe Bay is roughly an 8-mile or 12-kilometer journey. These crossings have been made on foot, on horseback, or in carriages up until the popularization of the railroad, which reduced the time it took to reach the Lake District following the coastline. The dangers of the tides and quicksand in Morecambe Bay was well, a well-known threat even from the early years of the crossing, with an historical document reporting that over a single 300-year period until 1850, that 141 burials were made at nearby, made nearby, at nearby, sorry, Cartmel Priory. I've seen that word before. P-R-I-O-R-Y. That sounds right. Priory? Priory. Okay. From deaths while tra- traversing Morecambe Bay. The interfer- the inference sorry, <coughs> of this, of course, being just the reports of one priory. Still not entirely sure what a priory is, but... And that equally high numbers of burials were made elsewhere along the bay for other deaths to the waters of Morecambe Bay. In 1548, the monarch at the time appointed guides to take travelers who wished to cross the sands on their dangerous journey. This position is known as the Queen's Guide to the Sands, <laughs> equally a title that could also mean Freddie Mercury's brochure for beach holidays. <laughs> <laughs> this position is still held today, but exists mainly for tourist excursions than for any actual transportation. The poem that was read at the start of this episode, titled Lancashire by Letitia Elizabeth Landon, was written in 1833 and tells the story of young Rebecca, who loses her mother one night to the quick-changing tides of the bay. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. The locals of Morecambe Bay had historically known the dangers of the bay as it had been their lifeblood. The land around the bay was reclaimed for agriculturally important salt marshes formed by the evaporation of pools of salt water to leave just salt behind. And the major fishing industry in the area had for, had for multiple generations been focused on the multi-million pound cockle picking industry. What is a cockle? Do you know what a cockle is? I have is? no idea. So I, I only know it from um, singing cockles the, the, the and office. muscles alive, alive, oh, alive, alive. Yeah. No. Um, uh, is there ice to mess with sweet Molly Malone? She drove a wheelbarrow. I don't know how you know all these songs that like only three other people in the entire world know. I feel it's like a popular folk song. You feel Cockles like, and muscles? You feel that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a cockle? It may sound like an insult <laughs> only the British could come up with, but cockles are an animal and a former popular form of seafood. Cockles. So it's a fish? I think it's a shellfish. Let's okay. see. Cockles, which are part of the mollusk family, are similar to clams, oysters, oh, okay. and mussels, being a hard shelled sea creature. The cockle can usually be found living in sandy, sheltered beaches internationally from the UK to Scandinavia to the African coasts. As a result, when picked by cockle pickers... <laughs> What'd you call me? Cockle picker. You cockle picker. <laughs> Sounds like cotton picking, too. It does a little bit. Yeah. Or cocklers. The salty-flavored sea creature can then be used in both Eastern and Western recipes. Hmm. Evidence of the industry of cockle picking has been found taking place as early as the prehistoric times and at Roman-era sites. Their popularity was greatest, however, at the turn of the 20th century, as female market stall owners would pick beaches, batches, I guess, of their own, of their cockles. 
Oh, no, would pick beaches of their cockles. I got it. I think that's where Sweet Molly Malone, who drove, drove her wheelbarrow, come, comes from. Yep. Sure. Uh, nowadays, however, the popularity of the cockle has fallen. Just wait for some, like, um, hipster chef to pick it up and, like, cockles will be all the rage. They need to... Probably they, already are. They should pickle them. Pickle cockle. <laughs> you want a pickled cockle? A pickled cockle? Cockle pickle? <laughs> that's not funny. It's just been a long week. <laughs> ah, but the multi-generational industry continues in the UK with most cockles being transported to continental Europe. An estimate of how much the cockle picking industry in the <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just it's a fun thing to say. In the UK makes per year places Oh, the UK makes per year places it at o- over 20 million pounds a year. That's, That's a lot. British pounds, yeah. Yes. Not weight. Money. Pounds. Money pounds. Yes. Cockles are farmed by rocking a long plank of wood called a jumbo across sand. Which sucks the cockles to the surface, ready to be picked. Okay. I need to look up a video. This sounds very interesting. I'm sure there's one out there. This monotonous work continues for hours in deeply dangerous and backbreaking work. Oh. Yeah, because you're bending over all yeah, with this plank or yeah. whatever, and then hand picking. Mm-hmm. But despite the perceived dangers, by 2004. It was con- the, we're not going back centuries for this disaster. No, no, we're not. By 2004, it was considered that all risks associated with Morecambe Bay had been accounted for and mitigated. With the guided tours of the Queen's Guide to the Sands, common knowledge of local cockle pickers, and the educating of their next generation of the risks of the bay, and the placement of a plethora of warning signs describing the dangers of the bay. <clears throat> Approaching 2004, however, uh. None locals, I must be reading this wrong. Anyway, had begun to, non-locals, yep, non-locals had begun to capitalize on the massive profits in the cockle picking industry. Most of these non-locals coming from backgrounds of migrant labor. On the night of February Mm. 5th, 2004, the lives of a group of Chinese migrant laborers would be changed forever on the sands of Morecambe Bay. Mm. The group of laborers, numbering an amount between 30 and 40, were as a vast majority from Fujian province, China, located on China's southern coast, opposite the island of Taiwan. They had made the journey from China to the United Kingdom in search of a better life for themselves and families at home, as it was a common conception that the wage earned in employment in the UK would be massively high would be massively higher than any wage an average worker could dream of making in China. As a result, in desperation to migrate into the UK, the laborers and their families would turn to organized gangs of human traffickers, most known as the snakeheads, to transport themselves into Europe. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. The laborers and their families would pay the snakeheads thousands for their services, with varying stories of costs from two individuals paying between £9,000 and £15,000 for entry into the UK, whilst the family of a victim uh, to the disaster told the Guardian newspaper that post-disaster they were still expected to pay off their deceased member's debt of £20,000. Of fucking course. And that's how they keep them there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's clearly just taking advantage of people horribly. Uh, This to the laborers were were worth it 
as they were under the impression that on arrival to the UK, they would be well paid and well looked after. The impression. And, yeah. However, this was rarely the case, with most migrant laborers being handed over to gang masters in the agriculture and fishing industries for seasonal labor. Under the gang masters, the wage of these laborers were pitiful. Any money they made was split between being sent to their families in China and being sent to repay the debt to the snakeheads, and usually left them with no money to live by. One source had stated that some gang masters only paid their cocklers in cigarettes. Not, yeah, this no, is, in, none, this none is of this. in the 2000s. None no. of this is surprising. Is it surprising? No. Is it terrible? That yes. happens, that happens in the United States. Of course. Of course. I'm just, yeah. yes. It's terrible, is what it is. It's not, except, it's not unexpected. Except our gang, our uh, what are they called? Gang masters? What are they? What did yeah, you say? gang master. Except our gang masters are uh, large uh, farming producers, factory farmers, yeah. or factory farms, yeah, who hire these people and then call ice on them. Yes. Fucking ah, uh, that shit enrages me. And then they don't have to pay them either. Well, not that they have to pay them because they're. Engaging in awful labor practices and tax evasion, mm-hmm. among other things. Sorry. <laughs> I'll just do the rest of it like this. <laughs> there you go. Okay. The route from China to the United Kingdom was perilous and would often cause death and injury to those migrating to what they hoped was a better life. Yeah, because they're well, not well, like flying. Well, well the, par- the parallels between that and the, uh, <laughs> the migration from Mexico to the United States. Mm. It, it is a little farther, though, I will say. Much farther, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, I mean... No, I know what you mean, the, the parallels, yeah. Yeah, just the, the getting here is yeah. usually the hard part. Mm-hmm. Long stretch... Don't they call um, coyotes? Isn't that mm-hmm. what they yep. call people who, like, are awful and take advantage of people mm-hmm. to maybe or maybe not actually get them over the border? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's one of the terms. Yeah. Assholes is another good one. Yeah. Because taking advantage of people felons felon yeah long stretches of time were spent hidden in the backs of trucks and in shipping containers at sea yeah (laughs) the same the same exact thing yeah i know yeah Yeah. there's a long history of disasters relating to people smuggling including excuse me including 58 chinese immigrant deaths in 2000 in the uk whilst being trafficked in the back of a truck 71 immigrants from the Middle East and Austria in 2015 whilst being trafficked, and as recently as 2019 in the UK when 39 Vietnamese immigrants suffocated to death in the back of a truck. Hmm. People are terrible. People are the worst. People are the fucking worst, and capitalism is killing us all. Once arriving inside... Just (laughs) Merry Christmas. Once arriving inside the UK... (laughs) You shall receive your gift soon. (laughs) Migrant laborers... Oh, look, it's a migrant. (laughs) Migrant laborers who were handed to gang masters would be provided shelter in the loosest description of the word possible. Yeah, a fucking, like... Mm. I mean, I've seen... A closet, if that... mm. I was thinking more along the lines of, uh, like, three metal garage doors. Mm. Uh, Or would it be... No, it would be four. I'm sorry. Um... There would be there would be the monster uh, encroaching. There would be the back. There would be the two sides, and then the roof with a uh, with an open front. Okay, come on, come on. No, here comes Demetrius. This door doesn't really shut properly. I know it's dinner time. Almost. Yes, 
Almost. Well, you have like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yes, come come join the podcast. Everybody loves you. Yes. You say hello? Say hello. No, not when we ask you to. Mm-mm. There we go. That was a good one. Now you need to shut up. All right. Uh, yeah, like uh, either like horrible... Like lean oh, I, to. I, I saw it in Tijuana. Like mm. it, it, like like it's one thing to see it on TV. Yeah, seeing. But it, that. it's another thing to see it like right in front of your face. You're yeah. just like, wow. Like how does this happen? How do people live? Yeah. Or how are people able to live like this? Because they, yeah. they can't. Because. That, pe- how else? Yeah. Because people are adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. During researching this disaster, multiple figures were provided to the amount of laborers living in the same property, with numbers ranging from six to eight per room in a small apartment, to at least a maximum of 70 laborers living across four apartments in total. Wow. Well, that also brings back, that also brings up the, um, oh God, the, the towers that caught fire in London. Mm. Um, Grenfell. Yeah. Grenfell Towers. Uh-huh. I mean, there were a lot of, not necessarily migrants, but... No. No, there was there was a, a decent sized um, um, immigrant population, yes. as I recall, and like five or six of them They'd would have live in a small multiple apartment. Multiple, yeah, family members, yeah, or and then it was um, Ramadan too, mm-hmm. so there were people staying over at people or going over to people's places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. However, in some occasions, gang masters instead forced their laborers to sleep on the beaches instead of going back to their tightly packed properties. <clears throat> the property that the laborers affected in this disaster stayed in the that that were affected in this disaster stayed in was <laughs> sorry I'm gonna start that again. The property that the laborers affected in this disaster stayed in was located in Liverpool, south of Morecambe Bay, with a rented property in the town of Morecambe uh, also used. The leadership of this group was made up of a gang master, and I've got my pronunciation guide, Ling Liang Ren, his girlfriend, Zhao Zhao Xing. Zhao Zhao Xing. Like shingle, yes, okay. Um, sorry, that having to go, I'm cross-referencing here. As well as Lin, Lin Yang's cousin, Liang, right, Ling Liang. Yeah, Lin Liang's cousin, uh, Ling Muyong and his English girlfriend Janie Bannister <laughs> which one of these that, names doesn't belong <laughs> that's, that's much better <laughs> well for an English speaker <laughs> yes. it's a little bit yeah the cockle picking business that the migrant laborers were working in was established by, by Lin Moon Moo Young, with Janie Bannister tasked with looking after the workers <laughs> looking after I'm sure uh, oh, it, yeah, looking, making sure they don't run away. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of looking after. It was after Lin Yang Ren became involved with the business that the cuts to equipment numbers and quality were made. There was evidence that the cockle pickers were provided with false cockle picking permits as well. Well, oh, yeah, I um, mean, it's, it's a whole... This is just a, a map of the bay. Okay. Just so we can have it there. That's actually a pretty... That's much bigger than what I had in mind well um uh aces gave us the estimated dimensions and they were they were decent yeah, yeah but still i don't know i guess just seeing it on a on a map yeah hmm. 
The group of Chinese laborers, for the most part, could not speak any English, and most had come from a farming background opposed to a fishing background, with some workers never seeing the sea before until their first time on Markham Bay. Hmm. Yeah, China being a huge oh, geographical region. Oh, you be in the middle of landlocked yeah, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, absolutely. I mean, there are some people in the United States that have never yes, seen the ocean either. that's true. <laughs> you know. Yeah. If you're in Kansas, you're not seeing much, uh, no. much salt water, that's no. for sure. In addition to the perceived need to continue working for the small wage earned to provide their families and pay off their debts, and the lack of ability to speak English with local law enforcement, the laborers also stayed quiet on their treatment due to fear of what their whistleblowing would result in, including the threat of violence towards themselves and their families and the fear of deportation back to China. It's almost like people shouldn't have to fear deportation. Just a thought. Just a thought. On Feb- so the day of the disaster, on February 5th, 2004, a convoy of vans departed Liverpool with at least one LDV manufactured van carrying at least a group of 30 Chinese cockle pickers to the shore of Morecambe Bay, arriving to a section of beach known locally as Hest Bank. Arriving before sunset at the stretching vast sands of Morecambe Bay at low tide, some point between 3 and 4 p.m., the 30 or so cockle pickers joined by a pickup truck ventured out onto the sands and began their long shift of picking cockles. Hours later, into the laborer's shift, the local English cockle pickers of the bay began returning to shore before the tides could return at the end of the day. Passing by members of the Chinese cockle-picking group, a few local workers would attempt to warn members of the group of the growing danger of the incoming tide, tapping their watches when warning them in English failed. Which does, they're, sure, they're trying to that's kind of like, uni- hey, universal. Like, yeah, or like, you know, come yeah. on, gesturing in. But if they were afraid of like, well, we can't, we can't go in, yeah, we're going to get who knows what, like... They're not going to take us back to Liverpool if we don't keep going or whatever. Shortly after, the tides would begin to quickly return to Hest Bank. The rising waters climbing up the pickup truck being the first signs of trouble the Chinese laborers would pick up on. The truck had begun to sink into the quickly forming quicksand Mm. as water returned to the bay as the waters rose at the same time. The laborers, many of who had never seen the sea before working in Morecambe Bay, now had to attempt to swim back to shore. Yeah, good luck. Oh my god, as someone who only like a few months ago learned to swim for the first time, and that was in a pool, and I felt massively out of my depth, I cannot imagine being like, oh, here's the ocean, oh shit, the ocean's coming at me, oh shit, how do I I stay afloat? Yeah, that would be fucking terrifying. The water is scary. Water oh, and is really fucking scary. And, the and ocean powerful. Is terrifying. Yeah, the ocean is horribly. Terrifying. I mean, you can literally, you can literally take water, fast moving water, and turn it into power. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's how powerful it is. Yes. Uh huh. Oh my god, that must have been absolutely terrifying. Um. So they were attempting to swim back to shore. Uh, The pickup that had held nine laborers above the water would be emptied out as the nine laborers joined the others in attempting the swim to shore. Oh, and that's also right. This is fucking England in the cold, rough winter waters of the day. Oh, fucking, yeah, fucking freezing. This is Feb. 
February yeah. in England. Yeah. It's freezing water. I don't know that. Do people go in the water in the UK, or are the beaches just for like laying out on the sand? It just, it just, just to bring the levity back a little bit. <laughs> it reminds me of this line from the movie Snatch, uh, which starred Brad Pitt and mm-hmm. uh, Jason Statham. And wasn't it Guy Pearce or? Uh, directed or something? Guy Pier- no, 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 Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, that's the um, guy. <laughs> that's the guy. Guy Pierce is another excellent actor, by the way. Which one was married to Madonna? Ritchie. Yes. Um, but he's trying to get the one gangster over to the UK, and he finally gets there, and he's like, he's like, he's like, you know what? I could have been on the Caribbean on the beach, and the the UK guy's like, well, we have beaches. He goes, yeah. Well, who the fuck wants to see him? <laughs> But hey, some of the UK beaches are gorgeous. I just don't imagine actually going into the water. Right. <laughs> which which kind of eliminates It's kind of part of the appeal of a beach. Eliminates the beach part of it. <laughs> it, it, it if you can't go in the water, then it just then it ceases to be a beach in my mind. It's just like it's, You can lay out on the sand, I guess. You can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really see the fun in that. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, UK listeners, <laughs> but apparently your beaches suck. I don't know. Well, UK <clears throat> listeners, I'm hopefully within the next two years going to be going to Scotland. Yay. That was supposed to happen a year and a half ago, but a lot of things were supposed to happen for a lot of people a year and a half ago. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. Um, Anyhoodle. Uh, that was fun. Let's talk about this horrible thing now, because this is going to get terrible. These poor people are trying to swim in cold water. Yeah, it was supposed to get cold this weekend. Yeah, it's supposed to only be in, like, the low 50s tomorrow for the game, so... I, uh, um, cleaned out the fireplace. I saw. Alright. Not fun part. Yeah. Some had survived the swim to the shore, only to run and hide <laughs> from the nearing, <laughs> nearing sounds of sirens and helicopters. Ooh, fearing if they were caught, they would face deportation. Oh. One story found in researching the disaster told of a survivor who managed to swim to shore and found the LDV van with gangmaster Lin Liang Ren inside, only to be kicked out by the gangmaster to fend for themselves. Yeah. Sure. Many others, however, were unlucky. Members of the laborer group would become caught in the heavy tides, trapped in quicksand, and dragged under the water. Others had slight sighted lights on the horizon and began swimming towards them, unknowingly headed in the opposite direction and towards the far shores of the lake district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. water's really fucking disorienting. And yeah, confusing. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Let alone the ocean. Even if you are good at being in the water it can mm-hmm. still be disorienting mm-hmm. uh, if you if you have no experience in the water fucking good luck uh, emergency services would be called with one of the first calls to 999 being from the phone of labor and i'm lost my i misplaced my guide i am just gonna give this one a try Golding long uh, the laborer would call the emergency services at roughly 9.30 p.m., stating, uh, and this is at night, too, that mm-hmm. this is all happening, stating to the dispatcher in, pan- in dispatcher in panicked broken English, quote, sinking water, many, many sinking water, end quote. Oh. At roughly, uh, see, that it, quicksand with the tide coming in is sinking water. Yeah. Like, that's a very good description. Yeah. At roughly the same time, Guobing Long 
had managed to phone his family. He was quoted as saying to them, quote, I am in great danger. I am up to my chest in water. Maybe I am going to die. It's a tiny mistake by my boss. He mistook the time. He should have called us back an hour ago. Tell the family to pray for me. It's too close. I am dying. End quote. Oh. That's, that's being very gracious to the boss, who I think was uh, yeah. not deserving of it. No. Mm. Two other phone calls to the emergency services were made on the night. One was claimed to have been made by the son of a father-son business who frequently brought, bought cuckle. <laughs> nope. Bought cockles from the group. Da- David Anthony Eden Jr. The second call was made by Lin Mu Young's girlfriend, Janie Bannister, stating in the call, quote, I've got a load of Chinese boys in Morecambe Bay and they're stuck, end quote. And quote, there's a lot. You need a plane or something, end quote. Me at least she called, like, even though she's an asshole mm-hmm. for doing what she did, but. Well, I mean, to them, that's <clears throat> that's a revenue source to them, too. <sighs> yeah. You know, mm. I mean, she wasn't calling out of, mm. uh. Oh, I'm, you're right. I'm, uh, that's that's probably very accurate. Yeah, not out of concern. For yeah, them, yeah, no, it's like oh, we're we're gonna lose our 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 cockle. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, pickers, digger, yeah. pickers. Mm-hmm. and we're gonna have to get more of them. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m., the Royal National Lifeboat Institution began <clears> their <throat> search and rescue efforts, with a helicopter being dispatched to search for survivors and a vehicle, either a boat or a hovercraft from the Morecambe Bay RNLI station to pick up any survivors. However, by this point, anybody who would have escaped the rising waters that night had already done so. Only one cockler who was re- was rescued by the RNLI, managing to make his way to a sand bank not yet submerged. The search operation would continue nonetheless throughout the night and into the morning of February 6th, and for a total of 22 hours. It is estimated that there were 15 survivors from the Morgan Bay Cockling disaster, all but one returning to shore by themselves and eventually being discovered by emergency responders from who they, whom they hid. 23 Chinese cockle pickers would die as a result of the disaster, with 21 victims being discovered in 2004, one victim's remains being identified identified after being discovered in 2010. Jesus Christ. And the remains of Six the, years later. Yeah, and the remains of the 23rd victim still yet to be found. That's so sad. Oh, I mean, they're at the bottom of the ocean yeah, somewhere. probably. Or so far afield that, yeah. So the investigation and trial... Here's, let's keep our fingers crossed. There's something going on here. The day after the disaster, Lancashire's local police force the lancashire constabulary i know how to pronounce that from lots of british show watching <laughs> but then again i also called it the tims for an entire episode so ah would close off the section of hest well, bank the, to the, investigate the, tims the disaster is the correct <coughs> pronunciation thames 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 <laughs> i know thames thames <laughs> During the following investigation, officers of the Lancashire Constabulary would travel to China for assistance in identifying the victims, as well as breaking the news to the families of the victims. The investigation into the disaster was deemed one of the largest to be handled by the Lancashire Constabulary. The bodies of the victims would also travel back to China, being repatriated to be buried by their families. Well, at least they that's good that they did that. At least they got that. Yeah. Survivors who were found at the scene of the disaster were taken to local police stations, including Lin Liang Ren and Zhao Xiao Qing. 
The surviving laborers were told by Le- gangmaster Lin Liang Ren to identify identify two of their deceased colleagues as their bosses, while Lin Liang Ren would attempt to blend into the group as just another laborer. Fuck what? Asshole. Some of the survivors, however, shaken and angry at the actions of their gang master, refused and would later testify against the leadership of the group in court. Damn straight. Good yeah. for them. Those that testified did so despite threats from Lin Liang Ren and the snakeheads made towards themselves and their families back home in China. Wow, that took guts then. But what the what the fuck is somebody, a, a gang leader in the UK, mm. going to do to somebody's family in China? They clearly have connections in China because they got the people from China over into the UK event. But I think... I think there's people in the UK and in China cooperating with each other. So, so right. they could tell they could tell, hey, so and so, go knock off this family member I guess. or whatever. Or I think or that's just, a legitimate or just tell uh, their family uh, <clears throat> Yeah. I, I guess yeah, you're or right. whatever. Yeah. The Lancashire Constabulary made a series of arrests at the end of their investigation, arresting Lin Liang Ren, Zhao Zhao Ching, Lin Mu Yong. Cheney Bannister, and father-son business owners David Anthony Eden Sr. and Jr. Because they bought the cockles from these people. <clears throat> Excuse me. The trial at Preston Crown Court of the group would involve charges placed on the group to include numerous counts of manslaughter, facilitating the breaking of immigration laws, and perverting the course of justice. I think perverting the course of justice is like obstruction here. Probably. I, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Lin Liang Ren would face the most counts good. The defense team for the group would attempt to paint the disaster as the fault of the government's <laughs> immigration system and attempted to paint Lin Liang Ren as a caring gang master who took care of his workers. Yeah. the Because pro- it's in the title. Like, gang master. He, he, ca- right, he, he cares. cares. <laughs> the gang master who cares. <laughs> yes. That's right. That, that'll be the next uh, BBC documentary. The gang master who cares. <laughs> Live on Channel 4. <laughs> As opposed to the reality, the gang master. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. The prosecutors easily disputed these claims, explaining how the gang master had no regards for laborers' safety and paired it with more than 150 witness testimonies. It's literally in their title. Yes! <laughs> the, wait, he was a gang master for the snakeheads. Yeah, but he, ca- but he cared. Mm-hmm. You know, he really cared. You know, here, here in the states, I feel like we'd be like, well, you know, regardless, we're going to get you for um, uh, payroll tax evasion. Yeah. You know, yeah. something <laughs> like I don't even care if you were doing it nicely. <laughs> the jury was told of how the Chinese labor oh uh, paired it with more than 150 witness testimonies. Right. The jury was told of how the Chinese laborers had no awareness of the dangers of Morecambe Bay or of the threats of its quicksand and quickly changing tide patterns. Since many of the laborers had never seen the sea before arriving in the UK, very few knew the concept of tides. The equipment that the laborers were provided by Lin Yang Ren were seen as not including any safety gear, and further, juries were told how the laborers were under zero guidance or supervision during their shifts on the bay. Witness testimonies also described their living conditions in the property in Liverpool as being surrounded by rotting food in rotting accommodation living in tightly packed groups per room. 
Lin Liang-ren's defense was that the disaster was the fault of the UK government, its Home Office Department, and Immigration Services for, quote, an accident waiting to happen, end quote, due to the Immigration Services turning a blind eye on the situation due to the low priority of the workers. The problem is that there's, I'm sure, some truth in that. Uh, Whilst this was a factor as to how the operation was allowed to run, it is a horrible evading of personal responsibility and not the best defense in court to basically say, I knew the dangers, but nobody was stopping me. So I did it anyway. The trial lasted for six months. And on March 24th, 2006, two years after the disaster, Lin Liang Ren, Zhao Xiaoqing, Lin Muyong, and Janie Bannister were all found guilty of their roles in the disaster. David Anthony Eden Sr. and Jr. were both found not guilty on their charges of facilitating the breaking of immigration laws. That would be a tricky thing because they bought the merchandise and maybe had knowledge, but they weren't that, that I could see that being a mechanism of law. Sure. Like, yeah. Lin Liang Ren was given a 14 year sentence. Ooh, this was back in 2006. I think he's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, consisting of 12 years for 21 counts of manslaughter and six years for facilitating the breaking of immigration laws to be served at the same time and a further two-year sentence afterwards for perverting the course of justice. Zhao Xiaoqing was given a sentence of two years and nine months and Lin Munyong a sentence of four years and nine months, both for facilitating the breaking of immigration laws. Janie, oh, so the only one who was charged with manslaughter was the head guy. The gang master. Janie Bannister was found guilty in the result of the trial, but none of the sources used described the length of her sentence or what she was sentenced for. If you were keeping track of the length of the sentence lengths in the year they were sentenced, you'd have figured out that since the sentences in, in 2006, Lin Liang Ren's 14-year sentence has been fully served by the end of 2020. In the sentencing of the group, a stipulation was introduced that once the sentences had been served in full, that Lin Liang Ren, Zhao Xiaoqing, and Lin Muyong would be deported back to China. Lin Liang Ren would have been deported back to China in 2020, but with the COVID pandemic restricting international travel that year, it is highly likely that he may still be waiting for his deportation. Yeah, that's true. So the aftermath. In the months after the disaster, instead of reducing the number of illegal cockle-picking gangs, cockle-picking gangs, sorry, it's just a... Oh, I know. It's funny. Yeah, it is. The way it sounds. The heavy publication of the incident and its trial led to a mass increase in illegal cockle-picking as more gang masters learned of the lucrative capital to be made there. Oh, God. Not only did this continue to place the cockle-picking laborers in danger, but it also resulted in the over-farming of cockles in Morecambe Bay, ruining the ecosystem in the bay and threatening the livelihoods of multiple generations of local Morecambe cocklers. In June 2005, the over-farming of cockles led to a temporary ban of all cockling inside the bay until the ecosystem had returned back to normal. The disaster had also revealed the scale of the exploitation of migrant laborers by their gang masters, with the assistant chief constable of the Lancashire Constabulary. <laughs> so I just have to stop there. Have I ever said a more British thing than the assistant chief constable of the Lancashire Constabulary? I'm not sure there's a more British thing to say. <laughs> Stating um, of gang masters exploiting migrant labor, quote, I think they would be criminals of the worst possible kind that are prepared to exploit those that are the most vulnerable in our communities, end quote. 
The scale of the illegal exploitation and the infrastructure behind it was also described as a, quote, complex web of illegal immigration, gang masters, and unscrupulous businessmen, end quote. A series of legislation was introduced in the aftermath of the disaster to mitigate the risk of the same type of disaster happening again. The most major legislation established from the disaster was the 2004 Gangmasters Licensing Act. The Gangmasters Licensing Act created an independent authority to regulate labor in the agriculture, forestry, horticulture, fishing, food processing, and packing industries. Kind of sounds like a a uh, combination of like fish and wildlife commission and like uh, usda yeah. or something yeah the gangmasters licensing act also established the gangmasters licensing authority gla this, this still sounds very weird it sounds like they're li- now licensing gangmasters it does <laughs> that, that is what it sounds like yeah. but which is a public body that provides licenses to gangmasters oh so that is what they're doing <laughs> Who meet a set of operational standards that the Gangmasters Licensing Act established. Huh. I would think you'd want to just at least change the terminology. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know? Yes. Yes. Maybe. Yes, I I agree with that. Although, or, or, (laughs) I mean, people in the UK are pretty much straightforward. You know, they're like, they're gang. That's just what we call it. They're gangmasters. Like, just give them a license (laughs) to to run a gang. (laughs) Maybe. Like, I don't know. In the first year of the GLA licensing scheme, it was discovered that 70% of gang masters had to improve their practices to meet the standards of the GLA. That just... It just sounds weird. It just sounds oxymoronic. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, you gang masters, you need to change your practices. You need to get licensed now. You need to be less gangly. Yeah. (laughs) Additionally, the Health and Safety Executive of England produced and provided practical guidelines for safe working in estuaries and tidal areas, like Morecambe Bay. The guidelines were published in English, English, Chinese, and Polish. Included in these guidelines was advice to know of local tidal patterns, weather conditions, the speed of the tides, and existence of quicksand and rivers in the area. Carrying of equipment, including a communication device, locational device, high-visibility clothing, whistles, flares, and suitable off-road vehicles and establish a well-prepared and practiced plan for all potential issues that may arise. However, Morecambe Bay continues to present a danger for those who walk onto its sands. A manager for the RNLI lifeboat operations in Morecambe Bay had stated soon after the disaster that there were no guarantees that similar tragedies could be avoided, stating, quote, despite the huge publicity surrounding both the incident and the trial, People are still risking their lives by venturing out into Morecambe Bay without checking tide times and weather conditions or seeking advice about where it's safe to go, end quote. Meanwhile, the inhospitable, exploitative conditions suffered by numbers of migrant workers by their gang masters continue to be a problem in the UK. A report in 2009 by British charity Oxfam found that Despite there being 1,230 GLA-licensed gangmasters in 2009 operating inside the standards of the GLA, that exploitative gangmasters have migrated from industries covered by the GLA, such as agriculture, forestry, and fishing. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah. And towards the unregulated industries of hospitality and construction. Yeah, yeah. of course. They're, they're all, I mean, the people who are criminals mm-hmm. will always be mm-hmm. a step ahead. Always. That's, it's like... 
you know what it always reminds me of? Um, cybersecurity, right? Yeah. There, like, there's always these. Um, here's how to keep information safe. The hackers break it. Then they come up with something to fix it. Then the hackers break right. it. And then they, you know, like it's, it's the a same, constant. I mean, with any crime, really. And it's the same thing with like, uh, like, uh, like steroids and like mm-hmm. the Olympics and stuff like that, or HGH. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. they will be doing those kind of things for a year or two before, like. The, the governing body catches up to it, and mm-hmm. then once the governing body does it, okay, we're going to move to this one. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, they'll always be ahead. Like, like yeah. you literally need an actual criminal to head the person catching criminals. Right. To be like, to be like well, this is what they're going <laughs> to well, do next. It's sort of like that you got to talk to Hannibal Lecter to yeah. know what Buffalo Bill yeah. is going to do, right? It's like it's like in like in Breaking Bad, like like no, you need a criminal lawyer. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The operation of unlicensed gang masters in the construction industry has been singled out as a severe issue requiring urgent legislation, with the same 2009 Oxfam report quoting a union representative stating that in 2008 there were 72 deaths in construction, of which 12 were migrant workers. The previous year, in 2007, there were 79 deaths. The numbers of deaths to occur in construction have not been made widely available in more recent years, but in 2012, in a debate around expanding the coverage of GLA regulation into construction in the Houses of Parliament, a statement was made by Member of Parliament Jim Sheridan, who had introduced the bill establishing the GLA, saying, quote, We have been exceptionally lucky not to have had a Morecambe Bay disaster on the Olympic site, but we cannot forget the fact that the number of deaths in the construction industry is rising. We must keep that at the forefront of our minds, end quote. That's it, right, because the Olympics were in 20, London 2008 20, or 2012. Been, this was, he made that statement in 2012, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah, my guess I is 2012. Were. Yeah. yeah. Um, indicating that the number of deaths in construction in the UK had been steadily increasing since the 2009 report. I wonder if there was yelling. They yell in... Don't they yell in Parliament? Yes, they do. They, like, scream at each other? It's like a two-drink minimum in Parliament. (laughs) It's pretty great, because... We need need that system here. They clearly want to do that in Congress. They just passive-aggressively, like, bang gavels instead. (laughs) I'm all for just let people fight in Congress. (laughs) I really am. Do the purge, but Congress... Congress yeah. the purge. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm all for that system. Yeah, we lock them in yeah. in the and legislative whoever, building. Whoever and... comes out like Squid Game. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you get all you get all the legislation. Yeah. Squid Game, but yeah. with members of Congress. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Oh, I'd I'd fucking tune in to watch that. I think I think <laughs> I think hundreds of millions of people would. Uh, but watch. Uh, no. F- fucking Marjorie Taylor Green would be the. Um, she would probably win. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be Lauren Boebert. She's too small. Mitch McConnell would be the one who. Alert! Alert! Spoiler alert! Who would pretend to he'd die? Be, and... Yeah, he'd be the old Spoiler man. Spoiler alert! Yeah. And, and be alive the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, we might not. Yeah, we might want to cut that out. Like, no, I said spoiler alert. That's true, but then you gave up like the spoiler like right away. Oh but, goodness. But, but that's okay. Do you really want anyway, me to? No, it, okay. it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. 
if I spoiled it for him. It's been out for I mean, shit, in the next couple of years, we might just have Squid Game all across the United States anyway. So, <laughs> Should I really take it out? I, it's, it's okay. Now you make me feel bad. I, I wasn't trying to. Don't feel bad. <laughs> oh, okay. Well... But you, you, when you do a spoiler alert, then you want to give like a couple of seconds, not just go right into it. That's all I'm saying. You said the old guy before I said spoiler alert. But nobody, uh, the old guy could just be anyone. <laughs> Another story in a House of Parliament, <laughs> Houses of Parliament debate told of a laborer discovered by the GLA who had lost a leg in a van accident due to the van not being roadworthy. Hmm. How the, did he lose his leg then? Right. Did he, well, have to, did he have to pedal I mean, like like Flintstone style? No, he probably got in an accident because yeah. the van wasn't. I, I don't know, but you it, can break a leg just in a regular accident, I, auto accident. I guess it just didn't it sound very specific. <laughs> I don't thought know. You, that's funny. <laughs> the gangmaster's license was revoked from providing farm laborers, uh, but two weeks later he was noted as providing laborers to construction business. Currently, the regulating of the hiring of construction workers falls under the control of the Employment Standards Inspectorate. However, their stated primary goal is not the protection of gangmaster labor, but of hired permanent labor. As such, the 2009 Oxfam report provided a recommendation that the GLA's remit be expanded to cover construction. To this point, there has been no legislation made with aims to expand the GLA to cover construction. Hmm. The detective who led the investigation into the Morecambe Bay disaster has stated, quote, other similar disasters could still occur because people oh. are willing to exploit the poorest could in still? society for their own ends, end quote. Does are, constantly. Are, are still. Yeah. And on October 23rd, 2019, 15 years after the events of Morecambe Bay, emergency services were called to a truck in an industrial park in Grays, Essex, to the east of London. Inside, the emergency services found 39 Vietnamese immigrants deceased, suffocated whilst being trafficked into the United Kingdom. There is yet to be a disaster to occur on a British construction site, which affects a large number of migrant laborers. Dot, dot, dot. That's interesting that uh, people are fleeing Vietnam because Vietnam has become uh, quite the capitalist country. I wonder why anyone would want to leave a capitalist country. I wonder. Mm. And that was the story of the Morecambe Bay Cockling Disaster. Well done, Aces. Yes. Very good. Thank you very much for the research. Um, I love these listener scripts. Yes. They're the best. And, I mean, all, all sorts of, I mean, that script might as well have happened in the United States. Oh, yeah. Canada. It's not an indictment France. just on the UK. It's, for yeah. Sure. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, it's, I mean, people exploiting people is as old as people. You know, that's something I've thought of because, you know, it's easy to get down on, like, living in the fucking United States. But this but the shit the, happens everywhere. But the number of yeah. people, like, I'm like, oh, Canada, it would be great to live in Canada. Well, the number of people, Canada. like, pointing out shit in Canada is <laughs> like, Canada. uh. And the, it just goes back to the problem is the system. The problem is the entire economic system we've created worldwide. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. It's also part of just the dark parts of human nature. I'm I mean, with it's, you. It's the, You're right. It's, and we're never going to escape that. No. Um, but we've built an entire system to encourage it. To an extent, sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, it's... What... 
what I kept thinking of when when you were reading the script was like where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up on the border of Canada and the United States. I grew up on the St. Lawrence River. Um, they would, <clears throat> and they made a movie about this. I cannot remember what it's called. Uh, it came out like in two thousand eight. Uh, starred like a fairly prominent actress. Um, the movie that was, was con- that was filmed in Messina. No, well, oh. parts of it were. There's you, a you there's a there's a that. different movie that was completely filmed oh, okay. in Messina, um, Deep River something what any anyway, mm-hmm. but it <clears throat> but it's it dealt deep with river. yes it is <laughs> it dealt with um, uh, Native American and Mexican migrants being smuggled in the United States through Canada across the St Lawrence River. Okay, they would go to Canada first. Mm-hmm meet up with their handlers and then get mm-hmm. smuggled in the United States. That that was that was happening a little bit when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. By the time I left, like in the late nineties, early two thousands, that exploded. Wait, you say you were saying Native Americans were being smuggled into America? Mm-hmm. Because they were they were Canadian. Oh well, okay. First, first they're, they're First Nations, okay. yes. Well um, and North America. Mm-hmm. I get it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um yeah that I mean that's what it reminded me of mm. like that happened a lot yeah. mostly so they could smuggle cigarettes and stuff like that mm. uh, which doesn't sound like it like smuggle cigarettes really it's like no like taxation on cigarettes mm-hmm. in the united states is like and it's to, very high to avoid that taxation yeah yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big business mm-hmm. it's a big side business yeah we'll put it that way yeah so i mean that i yeah i mean that that story is universal. It's not strictly mm-hmm. to the UK at, at all, and it's no, not, and it no. and it's and it's universal in the sense that this kind of thing has always happened, literally in the history of humanity. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not going to stop. Why would it? No. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 Wherever wherever there's a dollar to be made, especially like in the human. I, I think in this sense you can call it a slave trade. I think that's yeah. I think that's fair to say. Well, human trafficking. Yes, mm-hmm. um, that's there, there's always going to be money in that, mm-hmm. and there's always going to be money in exploiting people. Uh, another instance, which is something I might want to cover, is um, where the 2022 uh, World Cup will be hosted. Where? In um, that country that now I can't think of it. <laughs> uh, Qatar. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and to build that up, mm-hmm. yeah. We watched like a Vice documentary or something on I that? think it was an HBO, I HBO. think it was a real sports oh, yeah. thing mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. And that, that one we watched, that was like six years ago. That was a long time ago and people were dying left and right. Then, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure it's gotten even worse. Well, once COVID hit too. I, yeah. My guess is they didn't just say, okay, we're stopping oh, we're going to stop safety. building. Like, no. Mm. <laughs> Fuck no. Mm. <laughs> um. On Twitter, Jimmy Fallon was doing this like little promotion thing, like uh, tag us in a hashtag. Uh, if I had a trillion dollars, what would you do if you had a trillion dollars? And like the funniest responses will get a prize or whatever. And I put a hashtag. If I had a trillion dollars, I'd burn the whole system to the ground and start again because I could get away with it because I was rich. It would take more than a trillion dollars to do that. Though. Yeah, it would. <laughs> You'd have to that, first. That would, that would just be like a start. First, you have to kill all the billionaires. <laughs> Back to Squid Games. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And if you had the money, you could defend yourself really well. How great would the finale of Squid Games be if it was Jeff Bezos versus <laughs> Elon Musk? I'm pretty like, sure that I would was fucking, the intimation. I would fucking watch that. If, if the pay-per-view was like $500, I would still watch it. I'd be like, yes. Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, I thought you meant that the people under the masks were... No, no, no. I'm oh, talking about the I final gotcha. contestants. Like, the final two are Jeff Bezos and... Who would you root for? Uh, neither of them. Yeah. I'd hope they'd kill each other. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then it would And then it would be Bill Gates behind the... Uh... <laughs> Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, like, yeah, puppet master yeah, of the whole bo- thing. It'd be both of them. And then they would have to kill each other. Like, that, that would be fun. They're sort of the old guard, aren't Well... Bezos and Musk aren't that aren't young chickens either. Uh, but they're younger than they're younger than Bill Gates yeah. and, and Warren Buffett's like a thousand. He is like yeah. a thousand and two. Yeah. But um. Anyway, eat the rich. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's if if you get to that, like these people, these people obviously these gang leaders. Do not have billions or probably even millions of dollars. Yeah, they're trying to eke out a living. Well, the I way don't know. I think they are, but they're trying to eke out a living the way they know how. You know what I mean? So I, and I the, don't know. I don't feel comfortable saying that. It's possible. Sure. It's also possible that they're somehow like just elite assholes too. And that could level. be. That could be. I mean, I, maybe not, but. I don't know. I don't feel comfortable saying that they're like somehow feeling forced into this either. Although in some industries and underground activities, everybody is being exploited, including sure. exploiters. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Fuck capitalism. <laughs> All right. So, want to carry us out? I shall. Thank you, Aces. That was very well, very well done. Another very well done. Yes, and I'm so glad that you did that when you felt like it, when you had the time to, when you when you wanted to. That's perfect. There is zero pressure ever on anybody. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So that was the Morecambe Bay cockling disaster. That's a mouthful. It's a great. It's it a great is. word, cockling. I think I'm gonna. Uh, I think. When I make my first horror movie, that's just that's just going to be the title. <laughs> the Cockling Disaster. It just won't have anything to do with this. It's just a great title. Just call it the Cockling. No, no, the Morecambe Bay Cockling Disaster. No, but that's a real thing. I, you have to call it the Cockling, like the Conjuring. Or just the Morecambe Bay. Anyway. But it's, but it's about haunted little shells Cause Markham, that come out of Because Morecambe sounds like macabre to me. Oh, is, oh I, it looks like yeah, it, too, it a kinda little does. bit. No, it's about little cockles that come out in, like, zombie cockles. Zombie cockles, and they and they come in and they they, they snap at you, you know, with their little their like, little snapples, like like Piranha Two. <laughs> okay, Electric Boogaloo. James Cameron's first ever feature film. <laughs> so again, we need to finish this. That was the Morecambe Bay cockling disaster. Excellent research again by uh, Aces California. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>